Hey guys, and welcome to the Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report, presented by Great Days Outdoors Magazine. The first podcast to bring you the local fishing report for Alabama's lakes and rivers, whether it's good, bad, or ugly. I'm your host, Nick Williams, and this week's show is brought to you by Great Days Outdoors Magazine. Are you frustrated by your typical hunting and fishing magazines? Are you tired of reading content meant for guys up north or in the Midwest? Don't get left behind following the guidance of guys who don't hunt and fish in your home state. Pick up a Great Days Outdoors magazine subscription and become a better southern outdoorsman. Great Days Outdoors magazine can be found at your local Books A Million, Tractor Supply Company, Rural King, or you can save and buy online at greatdaysoutdoors.com. All right, guys, welcome back. This time we're talking with Dan Spengler over at Berkeley Lures. Uh, joining us this week, I've got Butch Thierry, who's from the Alabama Saltwater Fishing Report. Butch, how you doing? Doing well, man. Looking forward to this one. I was blessed to be a part of the Berkeley Science Symposium that they invited me to, and Dan was there, and uh, they released a, a series of their forward-facing sonar-optimized baits there at Berkeley, and so I got to test them and get on the water with some guys working on the forward-facing sonar with some pros, and I really enjoyed it, man, so I'm looking forward to talking to Dan today. Absolutely. No, I've been looking forward to having Dan on myself. Dan, welcome to the show. Uh, I know we were doing some kind of pregame warm-up chat, talked about where everybody was from and the weather and all that. Tell us a little bit more of what what, what you're fishing for here lately. Well, you know, it's, it's ice season here in northern Iowa. Lakes are full of ice. Um, probably about 12 inches. We've had kind of unseasonably warm temperatures recently though. So, you know, the ice is going to be melting pretty quick. It's going to be in the fifties this week, which is like unheard of for this early February timeframe. Uh, I told the Marine, I'm like ready to get my boat back out there. I'm done with this ice stuff. Bring on the open water. That's it. What you fish for once it warms back up? You be a bass guy or up up there? I know they got like sauger and walleye and stuff like that. Yeah, you know, that's the multi-species <clears throat> gig, I guess, up here. But I'm a bass guy first and foremost. And walleye is probably my number two. Um, I mean, it's fun to figure out all those species. I think for bass, though, smallmouth is probably my number one species I target. I'll drop everything to go fish for smallmouth. They're just mean and they get big up here, and they pull real hard. I've never caught a smallmouth. I've I've caught a I lot of the black bass species. Yeah, yeah, but that's a that's on my list to do. Is if you get up around like a Lauderdale and Madison County up in North Alabama, I've heard on the Tennessee River they got some real good smallmouth fisheries. So they look like a pile of fun, especially on a little six weight fly rod. I'm looking forward to it. Oh yeah, though they, I mean nothing quite compares, especially if you get them in that like five to six pound class. I mean they they just absolutely will dominate. It sounds like a lot of fun. Well, tell us, how'd you, uh, how'd you come to, to start working with Berkeley? Yeah, so uh, it's kind of an interesting story, really. I grew up about 25 miles away from here in a little town like Ocheed, Iowa that, you know, I mean, no one's probably ever heard of outside of Ocheed, Iowa. But it was cool because I could see all the baits over here, power bait. There was a, there were some older guys, gentlemen that would give me these baits when I was growing up. And I was probably only like, you know, between the ages of four to 10, they would give me these baits. And I know they were like seeding me these baits when I was a kid, they got these baits and what's cool. I do it today. I give kids baits and I, I, you know, they're the future of fishing, right? So you want to pass that on. And these guys gave me some power bait and specifically the, the Berkeley power worm, the OG seven inch power worm and some finesse worms that they had back in the day. And I went out and fished as I used to fish live night crawlers. 
And, uh, you know, just throw them out there, weightless, and wait for my line to pull tight and catch them, right? It was easy bank fishing. And then one day I ran out of night crawlers. I pulled out the power worm, threw that out there, and all of a sudden my line pulls tight and the fish holds on to it. And I'm catching the same amount of fish as I would a live night crawler. And that, that was like that moment hit me. And I'm like, oh, wow, you know, this is exactly the same as fishing a live night crawler. This is phenomenal. So right then and there, I believed in Berkeley Power Bait. And I started going to the outlet store here locally. And, uh, you know, we also had some other kids that like going to school, this girl, her mom worked at the plant here. Her mom would get these big bulk bags of power bait and then she would sell them on the bus like a drug dealer. So <laughs> all of us guys would be buying these bags of power bait. We didn't, we, we wanted these certain ones, right? And so what we did is we went in my mom's basement and played power poker, I called it, so for power bait. So I'd be like, hey, here's two power worms for this grub. So I've always been obsessed. I've always wanted to work here and uh, have the the awesome you know opportunity to be able to work here. I, I went to school. I got a master's degree in fisheries at South Dakota State University, fully planned on being a biologist. I got offered a job out at the state capital of Pierce, South Dakota. But as I was driving back five minutes before they called me to offer that job. Dr. Keith Jones, who was the head of fish research at the time, said, how would you like to come develop hard baits in, for Berkeley? And I said, oh, yeah. So to make a long story short, I had an interview, brought in some baits that I'd been making since I was nine years old, got the job. That's awesome, man. Yeah, that that's that's awesome. Now, I know uh, I'm kind of in a similar boat here. You talk about like, like, getting hooked as a kid and then you go on to work for them later i've been reading great days outdoors magazine for ever i mean i used to look forward to picking that one up at the gas station every month and uh look forward to my dad bringing home a copy and now here i am editing it so that's always it's very very high job satisfaction when you can do something you love love that full circle man talk to me a little bit i know we've we've come a long way in the fishing world you know from from night crawlers uh and and the power worms are still around and i still think that uh them little one inch curly tail powerbait grubs is, is about my favorite creek fishing lure but uh how what kind of goes into into creating these these new products and these new baits right well i mean when you think of technology today and how much things have advanced things are really different in terms of how we develop things so if, if we develop like a crankbait we know exactly what we want to do so like the berkeley dime crankbait is really kind of a cool crankbait that took over 140 different prototypes to put four baits on shelf which is you know, stepwise hand-built models, 140 dif different baits, just to get those baits on shelf, 78 specific prototypes just in the size 10 alone. But, you know, that's a cranking thing and that's a general bait development cycle and it's very long and it takes two to three years and it's field testing, making sure that the fish agree, right? You want to be able to field test the bait and have the fish ultimately say they like your bait. So we'll do lab tests head to head against top competitor baits in our lab. And, and we have these research tanks where the fish say they like our bait or they don't like it. If they don't like it, we got to redo it. Same with the field. Then we'll take it to the field. If they like it in the lab, we'll take it in the field and let the fish tell us if they like it. If they don't like it, then we have to start over. And, and what we what we're doing now with forward facing sonar emerging is it's 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 a totally different thing. Right. So. Anglers are now able to see their baits in real time, casting them, presenting the bait, specific actions to a bait to get elicit that strike response. So you as the angler, it's like they always say video game fishing and you're working your rod, you're 
you're basically putting a different cadence into that bait or an action and you're observing and seeing what the fish say. And, uh, you know, we wanted to set out and develop some new baits, you know, that, that we're going to be talking about that allows the angler to have the ultimate control and be able to maneuver the bait and, and get different cadences and different actions and be able to have you control that bait in a specific areas through the water column more effectively than what's out there today. So we built around forward-facing sonar with our newest launches of baits. Well, Dan, I know I know we're not here to focus specifically uh, on the forward-facing sonar and exactly what it does and how they make it and all that, but you are an avid bass fisherman. I know you use these uh, forward-facing sonars a ton, and you were able to to take that knowledge and and produce these FFS optimized baits that are that are awesome. Um, what exactly is the forward-facing sonar, and how does it differ from the traditional sonar that we've always used? Right. Well. You know, in kind of, I guess the biggest sense is the forward-facing sonar unit allows anglers to see their bait in real time and the fish response in real time. So um, it also does a great job of allowing you as an angler to see everything that's out in front of you for structure and cover and how the fish interrelate to the structure and cover. So when I use it and I'm out there field testing the baits, first things first, I'm going to look for areas that I think are great places to fish. And I'm going to, I'm going to scan those areas and look for fish. And and ultimately um, through experience and time, you, you start figuring out like what fish is what based on how they're associated to the bottom, their size, um, how they're relating to certain types of cover or response to your bait. Um, but compared to like your traditional electronics that show you your depth and your, your general readout and everything, it's, it's very much, people always say video game, fishing it it really is that interactive on screen in real time experience that you don't get with your regular electronics or side imaging or anything like that i've used all of that and i can tell you like the way that it sets up with forward facing sonar it's just so um i i guess that interactive if you will between yeah, real time you the fish and the bait so and i and i can adjust how i work the bait and every day is different. The fish are always telling me something different every trip out there. Um, and it's it's that's why we want to develop baits around the technique to keep uh, essentially allow anglers to adjust their cadence and ultimately the fish response to the bait. You know, in essence, you you can catch more fish as the angler. Definitely. And you you said several things there that are are definite advantages. And I guess the unique advantage would be just like you're saying, seeing it in real time and being able to see how these fish are reacting to your bait and be able to adjust your presentation and your your overall approach to catching that fish. But what are some of the what what are some of the best scenarios where it shines? Is it is it suspended fish? Is it fish hugging the bottom? Is it treetops, stumps? Like where does it really shine? Well, I think there's a lot of different ways to think about that, but when I think about it. I used to always fish in and cast a structure that was visible and um, fishing weed edges for largemouth and smallmouth bass, rock piles that I would traditionally use with my side imaging. I would I would find some points and things and and go over it and determine like, hey, there's rocks here, there's vegetation. This looks good. And then I would present my bait and he kind of fished it like blind like he used to. But now I feel like I, I'm targeting more suspended offshore water 
I think that's what where a lot of guys are going. These areas that you didn't think the bass would traditionally be, we're now finding with the forward-facing sonar by observing their behaviors, they're in places we never thought they were before. You know, I can I, I now see smallmouth bass cruising suspended in in you know 20 foot of water off of a 30 30 foot drop. So I see these fish and they're they're chasing different you know prey items that I didn't expect them to be and. That explains a lot because I used to fish traditional locations without forward-facing sonar. And I was like, where did these fish go? Where are they? And this opens the key to that door for you to see that stuff. And yeah, treetops are really good too. I've been fishing a lot of baits along trees and I can see the fish right next. I can scan a whole group of trees and I'm like, there's a fish right there. So it's pretty, it's pretty amazing. It's eye-opening really. I, I definitely like what you said about, about it opening up your knowledge when it comes to like well i'm fishing all the spots where fish should be and i'm not catching any fish so you always i've always wondered that not having forward-facing sonar i have to ask myself like well is it that they're is it that i'm doing something wrong you know should i switch colors or should i switch tactics or am i just throwing to a brush pile that should have fish but doesn't you know am i am i fishing a hole that should have fish but it doesn't you know or they may be hugged on that bottom third of the water column or that bottom third and if you're fishing either one of those it's kind of hard to get those ones in the middle that are suspended but now you know now you can find them right tell me a little bit so i know i've i've talked with some other folks on the podcast about um i know people are are starting to come up with different tackle optimized for forward facing sonar like i had heard when when butch came to me uh was talking about the forward facing sonar baits i assumed that it was something along the line of uh i was talking with the guy who was making like tungsten jig heads and stuff like that jig heads that show up better on sonar but but he was like, no, this is this is something completely different. This is a hard bait. What what goes into making a hard bait optimized for forward facing sonar? What specifically makes it a forward facing sonar bait? Well, I think by the nature of these baits, there's there's a lot of componentry with them that makes them visible. Obviously, you have to see them on forward facing sonar uh, for them to be effective when you're using that type of electronics. We're not going out there and saying these show up better than anything out there. What we're designing these for, the intent is for your you as the angler to be able to present a bait and do a lot of different things with it and cover the complete water column from the bottom to the top. Now, a lot of these other baits and techniques, you're kind of limited. So like when you think of a bait like a jerk bait and it dives down and you get it down to about seven, eight feet, that's kind of where it plateaus and you know that's it. So when we develop this credge with this upturned bill here and it you know sinks on the, the the fall it shimmies on the fall it sinks to the bottom so you cover the whole water column and as you jerk your rod tip it actually this upturned bill we're calling it ascending lip technology it will actually cause this bait to dart up in the water column and you let it flutter back so um you as the angler then watch and observe the fish and what they're doing with this bait but it allows the bait to get to places that Traditional baits may, you may have had some limitations and, you know, the same with this, uh, the finisher here is this bait really does a lot of different things, but it's really great at hovering. You know, this bait, it's got a flat bottom. It's got a forward weighting design. It darts really erratically in the water with how you uh, move or snap your rod tip, or you just kind of give it a a very nice consistent shake. And it kind of just has this tail thumping action. It does a lot of different things and it allows you as the angler to have the ultimate say in what you can make the bait do and then ultimately watch what the fish want. Because to me, in the with Berkeley, 
And what we did with the power bait and max scent and gulp is we ran them through the test in the lab in the field. And we always say, let the fish have the final say. So we've optimized these baits to allow the angler when fishing forward facing sonar to have a lot of different options to, to allow you to present many different actions to a bait to have the fish basically have the final say and say, yep, I want that particular action in that particular day or moment in time. Dan, I know these baits are are awesome. I, I personally do not use forward-facing sonar because I'm a saltwater guy primarily. Um, speckled trout and redfish. But man, I was uh I was throwing that finisher and it actually amazes me at how much movement that you can actually put on that bait. I was using a seven six, pretty light tip, and man, you can whip that thing around. It is insane how much it moves. And I can't attest the redfish like it. I've been doing pretty well on the redfish down here in saltwater land. Yeah, that's 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 awesome hearing about the redfish for sure. Yeah, they definitely work. And I mean, just because you're you're not using forward-facing sonar, I mean, all of these baits are actually awesome just to fish how you traditionally would fish if you don't have forward-facing sonar, right? I mean, it's not like either you have to use them just with FFS. Right, yeah. I mean, these are baits designed with forward-facing in mind, but these, these are all baits that you can fish effectively without forward-facing sonar. Uh, you can go out and fish them blind and cast to fish and visually observe them or cast where you can't see them and work them like any other bait and they'll catch fish and you'll have amazing days. The actions in these, I think are first in class. What we were able to dial in, I'm an actions first kind of person. So when we like develop the finisher and there's there's a lot of things with this bait, you know, that, that we put into this bait and how it rolls and how it darts it, it'll dart two to three feet side For to sure. side, backwards, forward. It, it really covers the water column and it's basically, if you think of like an injured minnow and how predator fish respond to a deflecting or erratic moving bait fish, that's what we wanted the bait to do. Uh, you as an angler can just control it and you can do everything from just straight retrieving it, almost like a Demiki rig or a spy bait, or you can impart rod tip snaps and get the bait to dance around and glide and dart like an injured minnow darting off and with the credge, you know, snapping your rod tip up or snapping it up and down it causes the bait to dart off erratically or up in the water column like a fish obviously a predator chasing that and is trying to get away um and these are uh these are things we built into the baits specifically because we know erratic actions trigger a strike response um so but they're great without forward facing sonar too i mean i think you could take these baits anywhere and fish them as good as you would with forward-facing sonar without. It just depends. So I wouldn't overlook the fact that we say forward-facing optimized. That is just means that we design them with that intent in mind. But uh, I fished them off of rocky structure and points and drops and weed lines and things without forward-facing sonar and had some amazing days on large and smallmouth bass. Yep. Definitely. And man, that credge, by the way, for people that don't uh, know that, it is jerk backwards. Got a little spin on it. Um, and man, that thing's cool, Nick. We, he, whenever we were doing the, the water testing that day, he, uh, Dan was talking about it sliding back. You can literally like pop it up on the top of a on top of a treetop and then let it slide up under the treetop. It's it's a oh wow interesting lure. So I think we kind of covered most of the angles there as far as fishing the bait or how to, you know, how to put it into your arsenal without forward facing sonar. I think we covered all that just now. You just throw the dang thing. You fish it how you traditionally would fish, you know, any of those types of lures. But for the folks that that do optimize that forward facing sonar and maybe a little skeptical to try these baits, how do you how do you recommend that they go about implementing them on their on their day to day strategy? 
I think, again, if, if you don't have forward-facing sonar, don't let that uh, shy you away from picking up the baits. They're amazing baits. You can cast them, as we mentioned, and they will be fine without. If if you are paid, there's new forward-facing baits. What could this possibly mean? Um, I just suggest pick them up and give them a shot. Um, again, my life and my passion is to be able to develop baits to help anglers catch fish. That's number one, whether it's something that a kid could pick up and fish and have a great experience and then they're a fisherman for their life or a super avid tournament guy or any anywhere in between. That's my goal here and in, in to be able to develop baits in my ultimate dream. So if you guys look at the baits and you, you, you're you you're interested in trying these for forward-facing sonar, I'd say give them a shot. We, we definitely put our best effort forward in the development and design to make them really awesome baits for fishing with forward-facing sonar. Butch was just talking about how, you know, he got to to watch one in action and, and watch it dart up and then be able to drop it back over the side of a tree. When you were developing and testing these baits or just to, once you got them out there and, and were fishing with them, was there any moment where you were like, aha, like this is this is the bait, like we're really on to something here? Was was there ever that moment for you where you were like, yeah, we've got a, we've got a really good one here? Both baits, there's absolutely that moment. I would say for the finisher, when I, when I saw it dart and glide, and, you know, it kind of works like the old traditional northern market glide baits, which are not the fish, big fish profile, but like the, the darting glide baits they call ice jigs with the plastic fin on the tail. This bait doesn't actually have a fin on the tail, and it has two treble hooks, but this bait darts like that. It's like a sinking jerk bait action is the best I could say, is it? You could fish this like a sinking jerk bait. Um, And when I watched it shimmy on the fall and watched it swim and dart around, that was, I knew it was going to be a a big time player in a lot of different situations. Now with the credge, um, the shimmy on the fall, that's actually something that we developed very early on with the original Stunna jerk bait that we did. We didn't, we decided we wanted a slower sink. So we lost that shimmy. But um, we had a prototype that shimmied on the fall, and I knew as soon as the brand team and, and our team discussed what we wanted this bait to fall down in the water column, I went right back to that original design. And the, the, you look at the bottom of a credge, it's flat, and that was designed in there for a reason. So it's like a bill. As the bait's sinking, it catches water, causes the bait to roll. And then this bill up front, the water, as it's falling, it pushes against this, causing it to roll and backslide down and shimmy in the fall. So I knew when I had the shimmy, it was awesome. But to get it to dart up and not tangle was actually very challenging. Many, many prototypes to get the bait so it didn't tangle up. So a lot of different bill angles, bill shape adjustments, pull point adjustments. But then when we finally got it locked in and you could snap it and it didn't get uh, hung up, and it shimmied and it was a fishable product that guys I knew would would have a great experience with. I knew that we had a home run. Well, Dan, I actually have not caught a fish on it yet on top water, but man, it looked really great in the tank where we got to see them down there in Houston. Um, we don't need to sleep on this credge being a great top water use bait as well, correct? Right. Yeah. I mean, you can fish it through the whole water column. And then what we found is really effective is these fish when they're, they're, they're coming out of the structure, um, and it goes up to the surface. A lot of times as it hits the surface, it looks like it's just getting away to the fish. So that causes a reaction strike. All of our pro staff were talking about that moment where it hits, I like, I like to call it the air-water interface. That's what we call back in school and 
limnology class, which is like the study of water, right? So there you get the fancy terminology, but that's where the air and the water meet. And when that happens, you get that bite, but then you can just continue to retrieve it across the top of the surface of the water. And it, it is a good it is a good surface bait too. So, I mean, you can do a lot with the credge and you can also just straight retrieve it real slow like a spy bait, but with that bill, it gets a really exaggerated rolling action in a wide tail swing. So I wouldn't sleep on it either for just straight retrieving it and for you inshore guys too. I, I think that being able to throw that out there and just retrieving it like that, I think some days that'll that'll be a something that gets a lot of fish too. I think it's going to be great for speckled trout. Down, We do a lot of wade fishing in the beach on the beach scenario, and I think that's going to be awesome for that as well. It's been super awesome to hear kind of the 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 in-depth planning that goes into making a bait. You see all these baits, butch, just sitting on a tackle shop. and Man, it's a lot that goes into it. I was blown away at the science symposium whenever they walked me through their, you know, their uh, facility over there at Spirit Lake. And it's uh, it's not just making baits. It's a lot, a lot, a lot of science goes into it as well. Definitely. It's, it's like a two to three year cycle that we use to develop the baits all the way from the concept initial design, prototyping, all through the field test. I would say from concept to shelf, it's usually always about two to three years. And for these time-consuming projects that we want to get right and you do it right, it's about three years. Well, that's that's definitely impressive. And and listening to you talk about it, it sounds like an exciting bait, especially the credge. Like I I love baits that you can fish throughout the water column uh, because it's just less less bait time that I got to do on my end. You know, if I can fish something on top water and then if they don't hit, you can fish a little deeper and and just work your way down until you find them. Dan, I've really enjoyed talking with you today. Uh, If folks want to keep up with what Berkeley's doing, what's the best place to to keep up with what y'all are doing with y'all's new baits? Where can they go to learn more? Yeah, I, I mean, we got the Berkeley fishing website. We have uh, the Berkeley Instagram page, the Berkeley Facebook page. You know, we got a whole bunch of different things that where you can connect with us. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's pretty amazing to make these baits. And it's a dream come true to be able to work and develop baits that anglers can catch more fish on. For sure, guys listening in, y'all definitely be sure to go check them out. Check out the new Craig and the Finisher and all the other great baits that they got. Uh, give a little love to them old power baits, too. I know they're still putting in the work out there on the bass lakes down here. Oh, yeah. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, for sure. I appreciate you, Dan. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Dan. Enjoyed it, buddy. Well, Butch, that was definitely a good guest, and I had a lot of fun talking to Dan. What uh, what were your key takeaways there? Man, I I think the whole, um, as I alluded to, I'm a saltwater guy mostly, and it's it's definitely trickling its way down here in the in the tributaries and things like that. I'll be curious to see how it, how more and more fishermen, because we're some resourceful dudes. I mean, there's no telling what these guys are going to figure out to implement it on their you know their speckled trout rigs. But yeah, it's it's definitely cool stuff, man. I had a, had a blast down there in Houston. Uh, at the Berkeley Science Symposium, and we got to get out, as I mentioned earlier, and on some pros, like with the guy, you know, with the live scope really set up and dialed in right. And I was able to run the trolling motor and cast and be able to see my bait on the forward-facing sonar. So if I can do it, I think any of, any of the Alabama freshwater fishing port listeners will be able to figure it out as well. I, I'm definitely, I'm looking forward to two things. So like like you said, I'm looking forward to hearing more people do it in inshore and saltwater. I know I've already talked with some guys who were using it to, uh, kind of peek at the bridge pilings, you know, looking for sheephead yeah. and oh, stuff yeah. like that. You can just you can just look like, well, are there fish on that piling or not? If not, move on to the next one. Move on to the next stock. You know, if you're fishing for speckled trout, being able to peek up in them pilings. Uh so I I'm definitely excited about that. And then I'm excited, like he was saying, talking about sight fishing. 
and forward-facing sonar, you know, kind of lets you sight fish in 10, 20, 30 feet of water. So I, I think that'll definitely be exciting to watch as more and more people use it and figure out new ways to use it. So Yep. It's definitely the newest, uh, newest technology that we have to learn how to figure out if you want to be able to stay competitive on that realm, I reckon. That's it. I've heard from all, all our tournament anglers on the podcast. I've heard that you're either fishing with forward-facing sonar or you're fishing for second place. Yep. I definitely believe that, man. Well, thanks for letting me uh, join you today on the Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report. I enjoyed it. Absolutely. Good to have you on. Yes, sir. Until next time, Cap. This week's episode of the Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report has been brought to you by Fish Bites. Whether you're hitting the sand with set rigs, using traditional scent strips for pompano, or fishing the flats and marshes for speckled trout, redfish, and flounder, Fish Bites has something for you. Family owned and operated in St. Augustine, Florida, they pride themselves on making reliably consistent fishing products for anglers of all ages all around the world. Fish Bites baits and lures are made with pride in the Sunshine State here in USA. Check out the full line of scented saltwater and freshwater baits at fishbites.com. Also brought to you by Killer Dock. Most fishermen clean their fish on something like an unsightly old wooden table or the top of a cooler, somewhere that's not comfortable, not sanitary, and not attractive. Killer Dock makes the greatest fish cleaning stations known to mankind. They are built from marine-grade aluminum and ceramic coated to protect them from the harsh salt environment. Killer Dock makes tables and canopies at several different sizes, so whatever you need on your dock, deck, or patio, they have a fish cleaning station for you. Check out KillerDock.com to see more. Alrighty, guys, welcome back for our next guest. We have Tina Morrison. Uh, Tina is actually, if I'm, I hope I'm getting her title right, you're the director of the Greater Gadsden Tourist Area. Is that right, Tina? <laughs> that's pretty. That's pretty close. Yes, it's a, it's Executive Director Greater Gadsden Area Tourism. Gotcha, gotcha. My just my my lexia kicked in there for a minute. So. <laughs> Well, uh, yeah, I was excited. We got y'all's press release. Y'all were talking about how y'all had, had just stocked uh, some trout up there, and I was actually there in that area uh, for the fly fishing show up there meeting with Stephen Rockarts. He's a contributor for the show. I uh, got to meet with Tim Barr. He's a striper guide over on the Coosa River. So I uh, got to meet with uh, several guys who, who were up there, make some good contacts and uh, drink a beer, shake cans. So, and right. while I was up there, I actually fished that place and, uh, I had never been down in the Canyon. I'd seen Nakalulu from up top, you know, where y'all got the overlook rail. Um, but I figured it'd be a good time to talk about it. We're still in the kind of winter doldrums. A lot of the fishing is slow in a lot of parts of the world, but there were some guys, I didn't catch anything, but there were some guys really doing pretty good on them rainbow trout that morning. I think, uh, even though it was 17 degrees when I fished oh, it. Oh my goodness. So what did you think about it when you got down in there? It's gorgeous, isn't it? It it was really pretty, you know, and, uh, that walking trail that y'all have down there was, was really nice. I think I came in at kind of the South end and walked all the way up to the falls. So I got to kind of see the whole thing and kill a couple right. of hours. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was really beautiful. I don't know. Have you, have you been through it yourself? It has been a very long time, to be honest, since I went down in the trail. So I am really looking forward to the weather warming up so I can go back in there because they built a new um, a new walkway or a new steps or something down in there. And I haven't been down there yet. So, yeah, it's been a very long time since I was down in there. I'm really anxious to get, uh, you know, like I said, when the when the weather warms up and 
go take that trail. Yeah, the uh, I think I saw that y'all had a, a cable bridge, and then there was a nice new set of steps going down that that yes. uh, make it su- yes. substantially easier than than the scramble that I heard it used to be to kind of get down there to the the canyon. They've really done a lot of improvements. You know, Nakalula Falls Park is a lot of people think it's a state park or a national park. Um, because it's got that kind of beauty, but it's actually a city park. It's owned by the city of Gadsden, and the Women's Club of Gadsden actually purchased um, some of that land way back in the day, and they actually purchased the bronze statue of um, the Indian maiden Nakalula. You know, the story, it's a legend that she was um, to be wed to uh, you know, an arranged marriage and that um, she was she wasn't she wasn't feeling that and that she leapt over the falls, you know, to to keep from marrying someone she didn't love. That's the legend, of course. But it is a beautiful city of Gadsden owned park. And the park manager, Christina Richardson, does a fabulous job managing that park as well. Uh, and there's just so much to offer up there. In addition to the fishing, you know, they've got the uh, the mini putt-putt golf. And there's those, as you mentioned, those fabulous trails. And they even have, um, you know, some animals up there now. There's um, They've got kangaroos and sloths. And, uh, and then they uh, have the train. They have a brand new train that goes all the way through the park. So there's just so much to do at uh, Nakalula Falls Park in addition to the wonderful fishing. Yeah, and y'all, y'all have got, uh, y'all are really close to a lot of different stuff too. Y'all aren't that far outside of like Talladega National Forest, Little River Canyon Preserve. Uh, you know, if you're coming down there and spending the weekend, you're you're fairly close to Gunnersville, High Falls Park, Bucks Pocket, all that. Like, there's a lot of places you can make as kind of a little, you know, day half day trip up there. So, me and my wife, we've we've been going up there in that little corner of the world for years, and uh, I mean, it's it's a really pretty place. And yeah, Nakalula is a uh, is kind of shocking, really. Like when you get in Gadsden and everything's you know kind of grown up it's a little town and and then all of a sudden you get off in that canyon and it it's like wow like it's just kind of a tucked away little place and it's a it's a really really for anybody who's never been up there it's a really one of the more impressive waterfalls in the state it really is beautiful it's on the alabama waterfall trail and it's you know it's like a 90 foot drop and of course sometimes when the you know when it's dry there'll be just a trickle there and um you know and sometimes it's just a full, you know, gushing, flowing waterfall. It's just, it is so beautiful. And it is really, it is really our gem of Etowah County. I mean, it's always going to draw people here. And so basically what we want people to know is, you know, that yes, come for Nakalula, but also uh, try out all the other things in the, um, in the surrounding uh, cities. We promote Greater Gadsden, which does include the area towns of Rainbow City, Southside, Atala, Glencoe, uh, Hoax Bluff, uh, Sardis City, and Altoona. And actually, the Coosa River touches about five of those towns. So we've got the Coosa River and we've got Neely Henry Lake. So lots of good fishing, lots of good outdoors activities to do in Etowah County for sure. Absolutely. Well, we'll zooming in kind of specifically on that trout fishery there. What what can you tell me about it? Just kind of the 50,000 foot view on it for people who aren't familiar with it. Well, we, um, the Black Creek is what uh, runs there at Nakalula Falls. 
And um, this was the fifth year that uh, Greater Gadsden Area Tourism partnered with the city of Gadsden, Nakalula Falls Park, and some of our partners from the Rainbow Fly Fishing Club. Um, and so this was our fifth year to stock Black Creek with the rainbow trout. And we just did that in January. You have to do it when, you know, when the weather's cold. It was really too warm earlier in the season, which would have been, you know, like normally the end of the year, but the water was still too warm. So we had to wait until around January till that, uh, till that water cooled off. And so it was the fifth year that we've done that. And we just stopped uh, 1,800 pounds of uh, rainbow trout just in that creek below Nakalula Falls. So the, uh, the trout fishing is open for sure. And it's perfect time to uh, to come and check it out. I know there's some some different rules there for the park. Tell tell our listeners a little bit about that. Make sure that uh, if they go check it out, they're kind of on the up and up when it comes to the regulations there, because it's a it's an awesome fishery. But since it is kind of a uh, you know limited as far as, as far as the stock, and I know y'all take some steps to kind of protect those fish and let people fish for them for as long as they can. Yes, there are a few rules there. The residents and the non-residents wish, wishing to cast a line in the Black Creek for trout or any other type of fish. They must uh, possess a valid state of Alabama fishing license first. Of course, you can get that from Coosa Landing Boat Launch or online. And then you, once you have your Alabama fishing license, then you purchase the trout permit. And you can get that from Nakalula Falls uh, office. They are open uh, daily, eight to four. And that trout permit is $10 for one day, or there's a seasonal pass that you can purchase for $35, which is uh, good through June, uh, June 30th, excuse me. That seasonal pass is good through June 30th. Um, they do need to be visible. That trout permit needs to be clipped to your clothing so they can see it. And then, of course, we... Um, we ask that you leave no trace, keep the waters clean, and uh, pack out anything that you bring in with you. Um, the other rules for the trout fishing, it should be done with fly rods only, uh, barbless hook, and only artificial bait can be used. Um, and then the fishing is allowed between dawn and dusk, and it is catch and release only until May 1st. And then in the harvest season during May and June, the anglers can keep up to five trout per day. There we go. Yeah, it's a. Uh, I had to make sure when I went up there, I had to make sure to go ahead and pick up a few, a uh, few barbless flies. Um, is it is it okay if people get up there if, if they've got like me? I got a tackle box full of uh, barbed hooks. As long as you mash those flat, does that count as uh, barbless? Yes, I believe it does. I believe it does. Awesome, good deal. Yeah, for the uh, for the folks listening in too, uh, I was really pleasantly surprised on a previous trip. Me and my wife were up there and we swung through Gadsden and uh, went by the Rainbow City Auction and, and Fly Fishing Shop. And uh, I got to say, I was really impressed with how much stuff they had there, how knowledgeable they were. They're an Orvis dealership. And I saw about the biggest collection of Booglebug flies I've ever seen in person. So. <laughs> Yeah, Frank Frank Roden is the is the owner over there, and he is fantastic. And we work with him. He is a great help to us when we do this project. And um, I actually I am new here, but I actually go I got to go up there and see when they stopped the trout. Got to see it in person, and it was 
it was a sight to see for sure. It really was interesting the way they do it. And they were talking about how a few years ago when they first started it, I guess they actually like hand carried them in buckets all the way down. But this year it was very interesting. They just backed the big truck up there that had the fish in it and they hook up a giant like PVC pipe basically and they just slide the rainbow trout right down there and they just come out right at the top of the falls. And uh, it was it was really something very interesting to see. There was quite a crowd that had gathered around to watch them uh, being stocked. Out of, out of curiosity, what roughly what size trout do y'all stock in there? They were about um, about 10 to 12 inches, each one of them. They were, uh, they're really beautiful too. Yeah, they all looked really, really good and healthy and about 1,800 pounds of them. And the, this is something that the city of Gadsden and Greater Gadsden Area Tourism go in together and uh, pay for. Of course, our part of that funding comes from tourism tax. Um, the the tourism tax is a lodging tax that uh, whenever anyone stays in a hotel, um, you know, there's a, a statewide lodging tax and that's how tourism is funded. And so that's where uh, that portion of the money came from was from the lodging tax. And of course, that is geared uh, specifically to um, to lure people to come in and fish and spend the night in Gadsden. Um, we do have a complete list of hotels and campgrounds on our website, which is greatergadsden.com. So we encourage you to come and fish, book a hotel, book a campground, and, um, you know, spend the night, spend the weekend in Gadsden and see all the, the many wonderful things that we have to, to do for the whole family. Um, and actually, on that note, I want to point out that Nakalula Falls Campground is closed this year because they are doing a major renovation. They're getting all new electrical. It's going to be a, a really nice, much needed upgrade, but it's going to be closed for the entire year. But Etowah County does have three other campgrounds. Um, so as I said, that website, greatergadson.com, you can go in there and find another campground if you'd like to, or we have, you know, about a dozen hotels here that are that are fabulous as well. What's uh what's your top pick for the best places to eat up there in Gadsden? Man, we have so many. I tell you what, but you know, you got Blackstone. Uh, they've got a location downtown. They've also Blackstone Pizza. They've also got a location right up by Nakalula. If you're uh, into um, a more interesting palate, uh, there's a Thai restaurant right across the street from um, Nakalula Falls, and it is uh, I think it's. Uh, Kati, K-A-T-I, Thai. It is so good. It's really good. And then you've got your staples, you know, downtown. You've got your um, downtown chief if you want a great burger. Jefferson's the choice. And then, you know, even in some of the surrounding areas, you know, you've got the um, Little Bridge Marina, which is right on the water, and they have good, good down-home cooking. There's just... And all the complete listing of restaurants is also on our website, which is greatergadsden.com. Yeah. Well, you're you're about the fourth person, I think, that is that is mentioned that uh that Blackstone Pizza place. Um, and I, I keep meaning to try it out. And every time I go through there, I end up a little bit pressed for time. But we actually 
Um, that was uh, Sheila with the Alabama Fishing Show. We we had her on a while back to talk about that show, and and she mentioned that was one of her favorite places to eat. Yeah, it is fabulous. They have, I think, they have three or four locations here in Etowah County, and yeah. And speaking of Sheila, you know, I just got back from the East Tennessee Fishing Show up in Knoxville, and she just put on such a great expo. And we will be having the Alabama Fishing Expo right here in Gadsden. And that'll be March 8th through the 10th. Um, Greater Gadsden Area Tourism is the main title sponsor for that and um, for that fishing expo. And we will have a booth there. So uh, mark your calendars for March 8th through the 10th and make sure you come and check out that fishing show. It will be at the venue at Coosa Landing, March 8th through the 10th. Yeah, that's definitely. I was up there for that the the fly fishing show, and it's a nice venue, lots of good places to eat, uh, right there on the river. I'm I'm gonna be sure to try to mark it on my calendar and make it up there and and check it out because I've I've talked with Sheila, and then I know Mike Del Visco and a lot of other pro anglers will be there, uh, giving seminars and stuff like that. So I'm gonna try to come up there and shake hands with them and and check it out. I've heard it's a really big event and that they've got a lot of uh you know a lot of big name brands, but then what I really want to go up there and see is some of the the small tackle manufacturers, the guys who do like the custom crankbaits and stuff like that. So it should be a real, a real. Yeah, there should be a very, a very good, uh, good assortment to look through. And then I just wanted to give a shout out to um, Julie over at uh, the Coosa boat launch. She's starting to carry a lot more, uh, a lot more tackle and stuff in her store too, right there at the boat launch at Coosa Landing. So make sure you stop in and check her out. And she's got so many tournaments coming up this year, lots and lots of fishing tournaments. Um, and most of those are listed on our uh, official event calendar on our website on greatergadson.com there's an event calendar so anytime you're looking for something to do whether it's a fishing tournament a fishing show or um you know just museum theater art you name it we've got all of that on our event calendar there we go well guys y'all be sure make it uh put it on your list this year to go ahead and check out gadgeton if you haven't been already the trout fishery looked pretty good uh i can't say that i've mastered it but from going up there it seems like the name of the game is getting up there by the base of the falls and, and drifting some uh double nymph rigs through there it seemed like most of the guys who were catching that day that's what they were doing uh check out the fishery check out nakalula check out all them little eateries and and be sure to check out that alabama fly fishing show tina i appreciate you coming on the show talking about all the great opportunities up there uh, if people want to learn more particularly if they want to you know pick up a trout license and review them regulations where's a good place to go they can go to greatergadsden.com or there is also a website called uh, flyfishgadstenal.com or our phone number here at the tourism office is 256-549-0351 and we'll be happy to answer any questions or mail you a, a Gadsden visitor's guide. There we go. You guys go check it out. Tina, once again, I appreciate you being on the show. Thank you, Nick. I appreciate you. This week's episode of the Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report has been brought to you by L&M Marine. L&M Marine has something for everyone, from small hunting boats to pontoon boats to bigger bay boat and offshore hybrids. L&M Marine LLC prides itself on its customer service and knows how important it is to be taken care of and to have someone you can trust. They are locally owned and regularly support the surrounding community. 
Allen M. Marine provides superior customer service and has an entire team that consists of professional sales members, finance experts, service technicians, and a knowledgeable parts and accessories staff to fully support you. Go visit their friendly, reliable, and experienced staff today. Allen M. Marine is located six miles north of I-10 at 34600 Highway 59 in Stapleton, Alabama. You can also reach them by phone at 251-937-1380. Also brought to you by Southeastern Pond Management. Since 1989, Southeastern Pond Management has been a leader in pond and lake management services. If you own a pond or lake anywhere in the Southeast, Southeastern Pond Management can evaluate the health of your pond and then work with you individually to put together the right plan to get what you want out of your body of water. Through electrofishing, liming, fertilizing, and stocking and weed control, Southeastern Pond Management is the one-stop shop to help you produce more healthy trophy fish than ever before. Schedule an obligation-free consultation today. Call one 888 830-POND or email info at southeastpond.com. Well, folks, that wraps up this week's Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report. If you've enjoyed this episode, please take a minute to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen. If you'd like for us to email you the podcast, just text FISHING to 314-665-1767. Again, just text the word FISHING to 314-665-1767. Subscribe to our email list and we'll send you the new show each week. This week's episode of the Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report has been brought to you by the Alabama Fishing Show. The all-new Alabama Fishing Show is coming to Gadsden, Alabama, March 8th through the 10th at the venue on Coosa Landing at George Wallace Drive. Buy your tickets now at alabamafishingshow.com. Proudly brought to you by Monster Marine. Also brought to you by Hilton's Real-Time Navigator bringing you the highest quality online satellite fishing charts since 2004. Your source for sea temps, allometry, currents, and watercolor at hiltonsoffshore.com. Also brought to you by Mallard Bay. Book your next guided hunting or fishing trip with thoroughly vetted guides or charters. Plan trips, buy gear, go experience. Mallardbay.com. Also by Dixie Supply and Baker Metalworks manufacture a variety of metal roofing systems to meet your needs. Whether you're putting a new roof on your home or sheeting a commercial building, they have you covered. Dixie Supply and Baker Metalworks, your metal roofing headquarters. Also by Mobile Boat Show. The Mobile Boat Show opens February 23rd with hundreds of new boat models and brands and the best prices all in one place for easy comparison shopping. Come check it out February 23rd through the 25th at the Mobile Convention Center.